grace and mercy and peace are all yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It was a beautiful day. The ceremony was absolutely beautiful. The, the sermon, the songs, the actual wedding rite. Afterwards, Laura and I got to ride from, from the church to our reception hall in my grandpa's Model A Ford. It was an absolutely beautiful, wonderful day. I, 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 the height of joy. But then we walked into the reception hall. And three different people came up to us immediately as we walked in the door and said, All of the hors d'oeuvres are gone. And my first thought was, what do you want me to do about it? Right? <laughs> Maybe we miscalculated. But more than likely, it was my 20 college friends that I invited that got there before everybody else to just polish them off. And a couple of them tell me they watch our, my sermon, so we'll see if, if they are, <laughs> if that story is actually true. But what could we do? The hors d'oeuvres were gone. And, and my thought was, well, if there's an open bar, Dinner's coming in just an hour and a half. I think you're going to be okay. We got through that okay. The rest of the evening was wonderful, and everyone forgot about the short on hors d'oeuvres. But it's not always that case. You go back to the time of Jesus, and the wedding banquets, the wedding feast, lasted for usually seven days. And it was their responsibility to make sure that there was enough food and drink for everyone. And that's the problem here at the wedding at Cana. They ran out of wine, which was a major social faux pas. You did not run out of wine. You needed that wine for that wedding celebration, and it was gone. The bride and groom are, are going to be embarrassed. Shame will come upon that family that they didn't take care of their guests. People would not forget it after the dinner and dancing. <laughs> you know, in, in this series, we're taking a look at the, the real Jesus. And sometimes the world thinks Jesus is, is this guy who sucks the joy out of life. Because he comes with all of his rules and commandments and demands upon you and, and tells you how to live. Now how can life even be fun anymore if you're a follower of Jesus? But friends, that is not the case at all. Jesus isn't about demanding things from us. You know what he's all about? Graciously giving to us. Jesus is not about coming to suck the joy out of this earthly life. You know what he's all about? <coughs> coming to supply you with joy. Real joy. Lasting joy. True joy. Even for this life. In Canaan, they run out of wine. And Mary... <coughs> comes up to her son, Jesus, who she raised for the last 30 years of his life and says they have no more wine. She doesn't tell Jesus what to do. 
She doesn't say, Jesus, I know you can do this. I know you could fix this problem if you really wanted to. She just states the fact. They have no more wine. But Jesus, of course, knows what she's asking. And his response is interesting. Did you catch what he says to her? He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, now this name that he uses for her, this, this word woman, it, it, it sounds disrespectful in English, but it's really not in the original. It's really a, a, a term of endearment. But also does it indicate that there's a relationship change here? Jesus has begun his public ministry. It's really not that long before this that Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and, and then headed out into the wilderness to, to face 40 days of temptation from Satan. He had called some of his disciples, and now here they are at this wedding. His public ministry has began. And what he's telling his mother in a kind, gentle way is, this wasn't what was in store. This wasn't what was planned. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't say no to her. He tells the servants to get six stone jars and fill them with water. What Jesus did on that day, even though his time had not yet come, though that the, 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 the first miracle is, is what we would maybe think of. You think about the other miracles? This is rather a simple one, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's healed sick. He raised the dead. Calm storm, water in the wine? I mean, it's, it's a miracle, but that's what Jesus does. And why? Why? I, I, I think there's a few reasons, probably. One of them is he's thinking about that bride and groom and, and the embarrassment that they're already experiencing. Is people are coming up to them and saying, hey, guys, there's no more wine. What are you going to do about this? And they're thinking, what do you want us to do? What can we do? The shame and the embarrassment. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the party just kind of stopped. All right, what do we do now? Jesus is at that wedding. And he blesses that bridegroom and that bride. And, and he blesses that wedding and all of the people there by supplying for them. So the celebration can continue. And, and friends, that's... that's what Jesus does for your life, too. Do you know that? It, it might not be with miracles where you, you put a jug of water in the fridge and you go and it's turned into some other drink the next morning. But that Jesus every day supplies you with what you need to bring joy to your life. And so much more than wine. Family. Friends. Every earthly need that you have, a house and a home and clothes, a vehicle, your talents, your abilities, your time. Jesus comes and he blesses you with all of these earthly things. Why? Simply because he loves you. Simply because he wants you to experience joy in this life. He comes and he supplies these needs that you have, and even many, let's admit it, many of the wants that we have, he comes and he gives them to us graciously and abundantly. Because as Paul writes to Timothy, all of these things are given to us for our, our enjoyment. 
The life of a Christian is not just a drag. Right? It's even in the little things where we, we realize the blessings of God. That it is from God's hand that we are graciously and richly blessed with every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. And here we see a wonderful, wonderful picture of that at the wedding at Cana. As Jesus supplies for their needs. Brings joy to their lives, to their celebration. And Jesus does the same thing for us today. Bringing joy to our lives here in this world. Through the blessings he bestows on us graciously. But it would be pretty sad, wouldn't it, if, if, if that would be it? Wouldn't it? If this was Jesus' only miracle, right? If Jesus turned water into wine here at the beginning and then he just lived a life and then went back to heaven, we wouldn't have a whole lot of hope, would we? Jesus did do many other miracles. And he healed, and he raised the dead, calmed the storms. He fed thousands a couple of times. He brought joy to people's lives as he did all of these miracles. But he didn't come just to do miracles. Jesus didn't come here just to do these things to make people say, wow, amazing. No, the purpose of the miracles, as we hear in this lesson right at the end, is the disciples believed in him. They put their faith in him because they saw who this one was. He wasn't just some miracle worker, just someone who could do some, some tricks and things. He was God himself who came to bring joy into this world. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of the Hebrews is led by the Spirit to write, For the joy set before him, Jesus. He came to go to a cross, to scorn its shame. What was Jesus' joy? Why did he come into this world and reveal himself to be the Savior? What, what was his work really all about? It was his joy was you. Because right from the beginning of his ministry, as he came up out of that Jordan River, his eyes were set. of suffering, a cross of pain, a cross where he would know no joy, where his heavenly father would turn his face from him and he would suffer the wrath of his heavenly father in the flames of hell for you. That was Jesus' joy, to endure the cross and to scorn its shame so that you you could know joy. So that you could know his joy. So that you could know the joy of sins forgiven. Every single one. So that you could know the joy that you were at peace with your heavenly father. He's not angry at you anymore. All of that anger was stayed at the cross. The joy of Jesus was to come so that you could experience joy. Right now in this life. That even in the mundane, even in the, the basic things that you do in this life, you have a purpose. 
to live for him and not for yourself. Friends, that alone is where true and lasting joy can be found. Not in the things of this life, not in what the world offers us, not in our own accomplishments, but in Jesus. He is our true joy, whose purpose in coming into this world was to bring us joy. The joy of every spiritual blessing, fully and freely given without measure. So that as we heard in that lesson from Ephesians, we can begin to grasp how high and long and high and deep is that love of Christ that led him to that cross, to that grave, but then up out again so that we can know what real joy is all about. Friends, Jesus comes to bring our lives true joy. And he wants to continue to bring you that joy. Do you know that? Yes, it was done. It was finished. There outside of Jerusalem on, on a hill. There at a cross. There in an empty tomb. Your salvation completed. But, but Jesus knows. Because his life was not one of always complete joy too. His life was one of suffering and sadness and betrayal. He knows what it's like to go through this life and, and struggle. And so he longs to continue to bring you his joy. And my friends... How he does. He continues to want to supply you with this true joy, and he does that by taking water. And you know what he turns it into? A cleansing bath. That with his words of promise come cleansing and renewal and assurance that no matter when you were baptized, you can go back to those waters and remember that God claimed you to be his very own there. There in the miracle of the sacrament of holy baptism. In that water, connected with his powerful words of gospel, you are forgiven. You are his. You are his child right now. You belong to him. You are a member of his family. God placed his name on you. Nothing can change that. Friends, that's where true joy is found. The name of the triune God is on me. Jesus longs for you to continue to have this true and lasting joy that he comes to supply you with it as he takes wine. And in, with, and under it, he gives us his very blood for the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. To take you back to that cross and see that blood that was shed for you to assure you that there's no more guilt, no more fear, only peace, only life, only joy. The miracle of the sacrament of the altar, where we get to come and experience that joy as we taste and touch and smell God's forgiveness as he gives us himself. Friends, Jesus longs to come and continue to supply you with the joy that you want, that you desire, that truly lasts joy through the gospel and word and sacrament. As you go through the suffering of this life, as you go through the doubts and the fears and the struggles, that even in the midst of them, you can have joy. Because the joy that we have is not the joy that the world talks about. The, 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 the biblical joy, that the word for joy in the Bible, there's a, there's a few different words for joy. 
But it's more than just this happiness, this, this warm, fuzzy feeling. Joy is a state of being. That no matter what is going on in my life, no matter how hard it feels, no matter how bad it is, we can say along with St. Paul that we had in our verse of the day, we can rejoice always in the Lord. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice, because it's in the Lord that we find true joy. It's only in the Lord that we find that we are loved and cared for, that we are his. A joy that is not fleeting, a joy that is not temporary, a joy that the world cannot give, a joy that can last forever. The best is yet to come. Do you believe that? You know, uh, it, it might be a little hard to, at least looking at the last couple of years. Right? When you think about what 2020 was like and 2021, really, was it a whole lot better? And now we're kind of at the beginning of a new year, year, year here yet. We're thinking, what's 2022 going to hold? Right? We become a little jaded on is, is the best still to come or is there worse still coming? You know, that master of the wedding banquet was caught a little surprised, wasn't he? Uh, the servants bring him a, a, a little taste of that wine that had been watered just seconds before. And this master of the wedding banquet goes to the bridegroom, disrupts the festivities, goes up to the bridegroom himself and says, what's going on here you know, usually what you do is you bring out the best wine first, you know, and then later on in the evening or throughout the week when, when people have had wine, that, you know, maybe your taste buds aren't as strong anymore, that you, then you bring out the cheaper wine, but you save the best wine to last. The best was still to come. And friends, that's exactly how Jesus works. <laughs> He comes and he brings joy into our lives right now. Through the earthly blessings that he gives. Graciously. He comes to bring joy into our lives as he supplies us with that joy through word and sacrament. But friends, the best is still yet to come. Very often in the Bible, heaven is described as a, a wedding banquet. Or the wedding feast. In, in one of our communion prayers, after we receive communion, we pray in there, thank you for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that I have received here in the supper. And we pray in that same prayer, Lord, keep me safe until you receive me as your guest at the wedding supper of the Lamb in heaven. What a beautiful picture of what awaits us. It will be a wedding feast that never ends. That will never run short of anything. But joy, <laughs> celebration, in the presence of God forever, to know unending joy. David, the, the psalmist, writes in Psalm 16 when he thinks of, of heaven and, and what's waiting for him, and, and these are our words too. 
He says, you make known to me the path of life. You, you, you tell me the way to be with you in eternal life. It's, it's through that Savior, through that substitute, through that one who scorned the shame of the cross for me. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I don't know about you, friends, but I can't wait. I can't wait to be at that right hand. I can't wait to experience those eternal pleasures. I can't wait to know that joy, to be in his presence that we will be filled with forever. It's all yours already now. Through Jesus, who is your true joy, who makes that eternal joy possible, and who promises that until then, he will keep you safe. He will give you joy in this life. Just a shadow. Just a glimmer. Just a glimpse of the joy that's still to come. May God grant you that right now and forever. Amen. Please stand.